0: Hello, this is Dennis Klein, and I'm up next on On Screen and Beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond. Brian If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And for all our loyal listeners who are back once again, welcome back. And it's time now for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is 480, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak, and this week... Dennis Klein, part two, is going to be coming our way. This time, Dennis is going to be talking about Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and also uh, writing for a show, what it's like, and also Buffalo Bill and uh, other things, too. And it's all coming up in our interview segment in just a few minutes. Dennis Klein, who has written so many great hits, and he's going to be here to talk about those shows that he's written and run and everything else. What do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness.
0: Please hang up and try again.
1: Rumor has it on Remake Madness that the writer of the remake of Masters of the Universe is David Goyer may also be in the running to direct the film. Goyer has written many films, including Batman Begins and Man of Steel. January eleventh, two 2019 is the date the Hellboy remake will arrive in theaters. David Haber of Stranger Things is going to be the star this time around. And Catherine Newton of Big Little Lies is in negotiations to be the female lead in the live action remake of Pokemon. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. It looks like director Brian Singer has been fired from the film Bohemian Rhapsody about singer Freddie Mercury. And now, Eddie the Eagle director Dexter Fletcher will be taking over as director. Big question is right now, will they meet the Christmas Day 2018 release date? Kurt Russell will star as Santa Claus in a new Netflix movie set for 2018. And tentatively called 1224, the film is produced by Chris Columbus of Home Alone fame and Harry Potter fame. And a spy movie starring Blake Lively called The Rhythm Section is set for February 22, 2019. Blake recently was injured on set. No word if that's going to change the release date or not. And that's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. Sequel City, well, talks are underway according to director Edward Wright for a sequel to Baby Driver. And the sequel to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl in the Spiderweb, will arrive on October 5th, 2018 with an all-new cast. Daniel Craig will not be returning to that role. And Deadpool 2 will hit theaters on June 1st, 2018. That's it for Sequel City coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD. Well, February 13th, look for Three's Company, the complete series on DVD in a 29-disc set to arrive. February 6th, you can get Ancient Aliens, Season 10, Volume 2, when it lands in stores on DVD. And Better Call Saul Season 3 arrives on January 16th. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Right here on On Screen and Beyond. (laughs) Movies on DVD, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman flies into stores and on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital on January 30th. A Bad Mom's Christmas rides onto digital on January 23rd And on Blu-ray and DVD on February 6th. And thank you for your service. Lands in stores on January 23rd. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen be Beyond. It's time for TV and Entertainment Time. (laughs) TV and Entertainment Time. Well, Netflix will continue House of Cards for a final season without Kevin Spacey because of the scandal that he's involved in. And... The final season will only have eight episodes, and Carol Burnett, well, she's going to be hosting a show for Netflix in 2018 called "A Little Help with Carol Burnett," as kids give advice to adults. And that's it for TV and entertainment time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's celebrity birthdays.
0: we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity
1: birthdays. It looks like on December 11th, Rita Moreno turns 86. December 12th, past guests here at On Screen and Beyond, Bob Barker turns 94. December 13th, Dick Van Dyke turns 92. December 15th, Tim Conway turns 84. December 16th, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top turns 68. And on December 17th, actress Lori Holden turns 48. As far as listener birthdays... It looks like Buddy P. of Cranston, Rhode Island, turns 36 on December 14th. Now, if you, a friend, or a relative are going to be having a birthday, send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will be celebrating your birthday all over the world right here on On Screen and Beyond. And that's it. That's it for Celebrity and Listener Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we continue our interview with Dennis Klein. Part 2 is coming your way. He talks about a show he... uh, did uh, a lot of things on wrote and you know everything else called mary hartman mary hartman and also buffalo bill and what it's like to write for a show and run the show and it's all coming up next dennis klein part two right here on on screen and beyond Stepping a little back in time from uh, the Larry Sanders show, yeah, back in time. We're going to go back to. (laughs) We're going to go back to Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Years
0: ago. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah, we are going back.
1: Yeah, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. We're talking to the seventies now. You were head writer on that now. I mean, obviously, I know what a head writer is. He's the guy that's in charge, and you said that uh, it's equivalent to what probably the showrunner is nowadays and everything. But um, did you have a whole team writing that with
0: you? And head writer, by the way, was, um, I don't answer the whole team question. Head writer was was a term, because this was a, a soap opera, five days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was even though it was a parody of soap opera, it really was a situation comedy more than a soap opera. But it obeyed the rules of soap operas to some extent. I violated them every chance I got because every I thought of one, because I, I, I don't, I wasn't interested in soap operas. I didn't understand them. I, I, I literally didn't understand. I thought, how am I going to obey the rules of soap operas when I don't know, when I've never even watched a soap opera? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, b- but but head writer is the title. It, it comes. they don't really I don't think they ever used it maybe somewhere they they used it on half hour situation comedies but they use it all the time in soap operas so that mm-hmm. that's where that term came from Well I remember
1: so I, the old Dick Van Dyke show he was the head writer on the team I I believe if I remember correctly
0: yes yes and I don't know why I think that was a violation of uh uh, and I worked with Dick Van Dyke and Carl Reiner, by the way, on the new Dick Van Dyke show when he came back in. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Carl uh, actually I, was a guest on the show, my show, also. Oh, that's
0: right. That's right. I know that. I, I, I saw that name. A- anyway, um, um, but but um, I don't. I think they just they took a liberty. I think they took a liberty with that. I I'm not really sure, but I just I. Well, you tell me, Brian. You're you're the television watcher. I don't even have a television. Uh, uh, do you have you seen Head Writer? No, I haven't. Situation. I right? haven't seen that haven't. at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think they just kind of borrowed that. It's not even variety shows. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they did their variety shows. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that was the the original Dick Van Dyke show. Was the very first thing i ever did in comedy when i was when i was 16 years old and it was the summer before i started college and my family went out to california out to los angeles just for the summer and i found out where the dick van dyke show was and i snuck in <laughs> really i was so tall and so skinny that i was able to sneak in through the turnstile and uh um and it was so exciting to be on the set and i I don't know why. Nobody stopped me. Nobody caught me. Nobody stopped me. And at a certain point, Carl Reiner and Howard Morris was directing that episode, if anybody knows who Howard Morris is. And Carl Reiner and Dick Van Dyke and Howard Morris, and uh, that was it, just those three, were having trouble with a joke. They were rehearsing. and They are having trouble with a joke. And I came down to the bleachers where I was sitting, and I i joined them i just joined them and started pitching jokes wow (laughs) and and nobody nobody seemed to blink I, i don't even now i don't understand how that happened how any of that happened and it sounds like a dream and it seemed like a dream but uh but that was what convinced me that i wasn't wrong in thinking that i uh could succeed Cause I'm already, you know, that was the top show of its moment. Oh yeah. Those are the top guys. And, and, and I'm standing literally and figuratively toe to toe with them. And I don't, I don't think my joke made it in. I don't I doubt if it did, but, uh, nobody was bothered uh, creatively by me. In other words, my pitches stood their ground, stood the test, whatever yeah. the phrase.
1: Was. Now, did, and, when you, and, when you were on the show, uh, writing for the for the new Dick Van Dyke show in the 70s. Did you tell them that story? No. Oh, you never told them?
0: No, I have a tendency not to deal in the old days or, uh, hey, I was this and you did that. And also, celebrities don't remember. People all remember when they were with celebrities, but celebrities right. don't remember all the people that they were with, and they probably wouldn't, wouldn't have remembered if mm-hmm. uh, I'd just be saying something and they'd nod yes or whatever. It'd be my, my fucking, uh, fantasy. Right. And uh, <laughs> tell them that my other fantasy came true, you know, and I, I don't find, I mean, that's why I like writing. And when I write, I write about my fantasies and then people pay attention cause it's written and then it gets made and people are acting in it. Uh, and it's all dressed up. But for me to tell personally, Oh, here's something that happened to me. Uh, I've always found, ever since I was a little boy, that that bores people. That's that's what got me started in comedy because I I started putting comedy into my stories, and then people would listen to me because they would laugh. Mm-hmm. When I was like four or five, six years old. But uh, when I want to tell the real story of something, well, I, 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 I that was a problem for me because I I could tell an entertaining version of the story, but that isn't the real story. Right. The real story maybe has me crying or suffering or something. And I want people to feel something, you know, to not even to hear what happened to me. And if I'm busy, uh, entertaining them, I'm not telling them the real story. I'm telling them a, a fake, essentially a fake story. Not essentially. I'm telling them a fake story. Mm-hmm. Getting back to your question about the team of writers on, on Mary Hart, Mary Hartman. Yes. There were, as I recall, 10 writers. Wow. And, uh, there was, there was, uh, there were two, Story editors, I guess we call them, and they, and they kind of ran the show too. I mean, they were they were important because they mapped out all the, sh- the scripts and the, and the upcoming stories, uh, and and they were good. and I liked them, and they uh, and uh, and they were, you know, and we were kind of in a lot of ways we were a three person team, um, and our uh, taste differed a little bit, and that created some, certain problems. But uh, our taste in, in in stories and in comedy, but also our taste in what the show was about, and it didn't really help. It would have been nice if if I were more like them or if they were more like me. You know, sometimes that stuff helps. And people say, "Oh, let's put let's put the stupidest guy in the world in the room with the smartest guy in the world, and we'll get something really special." No, you'll get the smart guy tries to kill the stupid guy, but the stupid guy, because he's so stupid can kill the smart guy because the smart guy is busy being a brainiac and the stupid guy needs, you know, to take his advantages where he can. I think I'm drifting here. So so there were these two story editors and then there were five writers who would each write an episode of the show for, let's say, the following week. And they would write a first draft. And it was, it was, kind of, it was like an assembly line. So they would write a first draft and and take a week to write it, and and then they would and then they'd get notes not from me but from the story editors, and uh, and then they'd write a, do a rewrite of it, and they'd also take a week. So there's a lot to be desired in these scripts, not not to do with the inferiority of the writers, just there was just no time. And they were busy even while they were writing the second draft of that script. They were writing a first draft of the following week's show. So so you had five writers churning, and that's the right word for it, turning out episodes. Mm-hmm. And we were up against delivery dates. I mean, we, there was editing going on and uh, people were just scrambling because five shows a week and then you're kind of on the air in a lot of cities, like almost immediately. So uh, there was a sense that it was live in a way. Yeah. Uh, um, and anyway, so uh, so we had five of those, two story editors, me, that's eight. And then we had an assistant Story editor, a guy that came on who was brilliant. His name was Andy Schneider, and he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful writer, and a great, great guy. And he, he did magical. He had magical ideas, stories, and things. And he came in as, a, as an actor. He wanted to act. And then he had... I don't know how we found out that he had these ideas, because he said, oh, I want to give you some ideas for the show. And we didn't cast him in whatever he came to do as an actor but when Brad and Eugenie and I Brad Brad Buckner, Eugenie Ross-Lemming and I uh, uh, and they I think they created the Scarecrow and Mrs. King Oh, yes. and they, they've done a lot of work and, and excellent, excellent writers and wonderful, wonderful people and they're still a team and so um, anyway when when they and I are, although who knows I might not have been in the room maybe they told me about it Uh, I don't remember, but I think the three of us were in the room with Andy and, uh, boy, these, these ideas that he had were amazing. That's why if anybody wants to break into show business, just, just have some courage. Just don't, don't talk yourself out of it. And, and and you got to learn to, to, uh, be bold and they might kick you out, but then somebody might like you or like your ideas and say, Holy shit because you look at these actors who are terrible, and the writers are terrible and directors are terrible. Well, somebody thought they were great and, and, and that's why they've got movies going and TV shows going and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, there's I'm not saying it's the easiest profession to break into, in fact, it's the hardest. But uh, you can get lucky, but you can only get lucky if you have the courage to, to present yourself and your stuff and uh, you eat shit if they make you eat shit. They go, Oh, that's terrible, horrible. Well, you know, uh, hopefully you'll survive. If you want to get into show business, if you're cowardly, uh, your best bet is not try to get into show business. Get into the post office business. <laughs> uh, uh, and and so, um, uh, so he came on as the assistant story editor and uh, and did great work. And and then I had uh, a, a woman named Mara Lydex L-I-D-E-K-S, who. Uh, wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful writer. And she was my, my punch up guy or my, not even my punch up guy. She was, she helped me. she just assisted me because I was moving so fast during that year and a half that I was head writer. I, I once counted and came up with 10,000 pages of script that I, that I supervised or wrote or rewrote, whatever. It's a lot of, in a year and a half, that's a lot of writing. And it made me a better writer. I don't think it made the show a better show. I wish I had had more time. Mm. Uh, but even if I had more writers, they they weren't really wouldn't have really been the style of. So we were kind of stuck. We, we had just us. All of us had just us. And uh, and we tried to have other people, but they. It was hard to find somebody because it's an odd show, and and even the some of the writers that wrote for us didn't quite capture the show. And my rewrites on their scripts were always a problem because they were writing basically a different series mm-hmm. than what I was writing. Like what I did on the Partridge family, that was a different episode than the Partridge family. And that's why the producers were right in not shooting it the first time around, because this isn't the fucking Partridge family. This is a nightmare. This is the Holocaust without the Jews. <laughs> uh, uh, and so uh, uh, the so Mara Lydix helped me a great deal and one of the things she helped me that I really appreciate with didn't take creativity on her part is that I don't know. I don't, I don't watch television. I don't, I don't watch sports. I'm not interested in, you know, a lot of stuff that people are fascinated by and boy, whatever the fuck. And so I would do uh, lines that were sometimes that referred to certain sports. Like I'd say, Oh, the score was uh, such and such to such and such. And at the end of it, uh, the the down or the or the inning, and I I just didn't know. is an inning in baseball, and it's down in football. I didn't know any of that stuff. So rather than me do research or scratch my head or, or write the wrong thing, I would just leave it empty, and uh, and then it helped it make stuff funny and interesting and all the other stuff that she did. Darlene knew you know knew these references, yeah. uh, that, and that really was. That was the least of her talent because that doesn't take talent. You just got to be a, an idiot who watches sports all the time and <laughs> knows, you know, all this stuff. And I, I apologize when I say idiot, but I really mean idiot. I think I think you're an idiot if you if you're all caught up in sports as a maybe as a sports person. Okay, just watch it and watch it and watch it. Like you're an idiot. I think if you put tattoos on yourself and to face your body and you put hair in a bun if you're if you're a man. Uh, this stuff, I just that's that's who I am. Not from the last century, because there's new stuff happening all the time that I don't think is bad. But uh, 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 but there's just you know personal taste, and this stuff to me is idiotic. But I must say, as bad as men walking around with their hair in a bun uh, it is, which always makes me, you know, I just laugh. I said, do they have any idea? See, you don't have mirrors where they can see the back of their heads that easily, maybe. So maybe they don't know how stupid they look. Uh, uh, but they will in, in five or ten years. But nothing is as bad as the tattoos. I mean, that's that's permanent. and Those people are of lunatic. I, I remember walking once with my daughter down the street, and, uh, uh, and she was about five years old, and now she's 21. And uh, she, um, uh, they were just starting to do, not not tattoos yet, but there was a uh, a girl, a teenage girl, walking towards us, and she had something, you know, bolts in her face or, or something, and, and crazy clothes and a weird color hair, and and I said to Emma, my daughter, uh, the finest person I've ever known, said to her, uh, what do you what do you make of this girl as she's walking towards us? And Emma Emma looked at her and said, uh, I think she must not like herself very much. <clears throat> and then, you know that 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 sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> as as always did. I, I mean I'm uh I'm always inspired by her creativity mm-hmm. and and brilliance. Yeah. But that's another story for another show. That's uh, up close and with a daughter. Right. <laughs> well
1: Dennis, I want to uh, I know we're getting down on time but I wanted to um, ask you about
0: all... on screen. It's not up close. It's on screen. And beyond. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm referring to is up close. So yep. I put that out of you know, yeah. replace it the place of voice of Daffy Duck saying on screen and beyond. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So you're in the middle of saying, But.
1: Uh, of all the shows you've written and produced and directed and everything is there any certain one that's the closest to your heart that was special to you that after you did it or, or are they all basically the same no no no
0: they're not the same and some i like better than than others i love bakersfield or sometimes it's called bakersfield pd yes uh that was a wonderful wonderful show for me and i really loved loved working on it i loved all the actors on it i didn't create it and i i just was I, and i wasn't even the showrunner i was a co-showrunner with a with a, a terrific terrific writer named larry levin uh and that was a great show uh so i worked on some that i really really loved i loved working on uh cocoon i did a rewrite on cocoon that, that, I, that i loved a lot a great movie, uh, and i loved the movie um but the the show that it, the answer to your question the show that was closest to my heart is a series called buffalo bill starring dabney Coleman, the mm-hmm. great dabney coleman who i was with last night until very late at night and uh he was terrific in it and we shot 40 uh, 20 26 episodes of it and uh I, I just I thought that was hilarious, and part of our time last night, and any time we get together, he and I is, you know, regaling each other with remember this scene and that scene and how funny it was. Yeah. Not, not like me saying oh, and I wrote that I'm so great, or him saying as an actor, uh, you know, I was so wonderful. But just as fans, yeah, of this show that we happened to do together, that we thought was terrific, that actually. You know, uh, when they say ahead of its time, it, you know, this guy was the Harvey Weinstein of his time. <laughs> it was all about a guy uh, who had a lot of power and didn't mind exercising it in a, in a half-hour situation comedy form. That Brandon Tarnikoff said, putting Buffalo Bill on the air uh, on NBC was like playing Russian roulette with all six chambers loaded. <laughs> Uh um everybody working on it understood that uh it was gonna be an uphill climb uh at best for that show. Yeah. And they put it and NGC put it in the sweet spot, put the show in the sweet spot that it had, which was big, big Thursday night lineup. It had uh uh Cheers from nine to nine thirty, Hill Street Blues from ten to eleven, and our show which did the first season, thought we followed uh, the facts of life, which was crazy, but NBC had nothing to team us with. So so then we did kind of well during summer reruns. We didn't do well in the ratings, but then during the reruns, people watched the show and they thought maybe the show could catch on if we put it, in they being NBC, between those shows. And we died a dog's death and brought down tears in the last 15 minutes of tears. And according to what I hear, I could be wrong about the ratings and the first half hour of Hill Street Blues. And, and people didn't even switch to another network. They just, I think they turned off their TV or threw it out the window or something. And what I also heard was that the producers of those shows who were looking to syndication and didn't like the decline of ratings due, you uh, know, almost definitely from being uh, touching Buffalo Bill, uh, begged Brandon Tarnikoff to move, move Buffalo Bill out of there, put anything else in. But just not this show that was alienating uh, their fans.
1: Wow! I, I
0: don't know if that's true. I, I'm pretty sure that's true, but I I don't have that firsthand. That's yeah. like a, an internet thing that uh, yeah. you know that you see on the internet. And, well, maybe it's true and maybe it's not. Right, not.
1: right. <laughs> and but Daphne Coleman is such a great actor. I mean, you know, look at him Bad at bit. nine nine to five and and all the different things he's done. He's just just so rounded. He can do so many different types of acting.
0: Absolutely. And, and we were talking about uh, trying to put together a movie that he might do now. And, uh, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he is, he is still 100% uh, there. His brain is lucid, his, his ability to, uh, do comedy and do regular acting and all that stuff. He's, he's right on target. I don't want to, I don't think the movie should be about old people. That's like, that's what the story is about. But, uh, just, just have him. He doesn't have to star in it, uh, uh, but uh, you know, have him be a, have a great character, and uh, if we could do that, because he's, yeah, he's out of this world, yeah, out of this world, yeah.
1: Well, Dennis, I, I, it, this has all been fascinating, and but we're running out of time. I'd like to finish up with two final questions.
0: Two, oh, should you have another two hours? <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. No, actually, I know one of these is going to go quick, because uh, oh, you, you've already answered it, in a sense.
0: Six and a half inches. <laughs>
1: um, it, it's, it's, when you sit back and relax, I, I mean, with all the writing you've done, I know you, you've, you don't have that much time, but when you, when you do... Uh, What is your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And we already know that you said you don't watch TV now, so that takes care of that. But what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past?
0: Oh, I see. Uh, My my favorite TV shows are way in the past. Amos and Andy, Mm -hmm. Jack Benny Show, Bill Coe. Uh, Fawlty Towers, that's as close as I can come to, uh, current show. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and, and uh, uh, and The Honeymooners. Oh, yeah. Uh, not the rest of the stuff that Jackie Gleason did that was terrible, I thought. But, uh, The Honeymooners, those are, those are the greats. And, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing else touches it. I, I liked, uh, Dick Van Dyke's show and, uh, um, uh, I guess I'd like something now if I saw it. I, I saw Curb, a little bit of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, and everybody said, and I said, ah, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, and to, oh, well, you watch the wrong episode or the wrong season or the wrong lifetime or something. <laughs> uh, 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 so I don't know. Maybe I'd like that. I sort of like that. But uh, um, I, I just don't I don't watch it, so it's not fair I don't watch it. Yeah. What about movies? And the uh, movies, uh, well, the classic, and for me, it is more comedies than drama, I guess. I can't think of any offhand, any dramas, dramatic movies that I loved the way I love comedies, because comedies are drama with comedy in them as well. So, so to me, a drama is always missing something. Uh, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you the movies in no order, but these are the classic movies for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two favorite movies of all time is A Thousand Clowns and Dr. Strange Love and uh, I also think Tootsie and uh, uh, Groundhog Day Howard Ramos is a very close friend of mine and uh, mm-hmm. uh, he did a lot of bad movies but he did some, some wonderful movies but nothing was better than Groundhog Day mm-hmm. and uh, probably some others but I think I answered your question I don't want to go on, on. yeah
1: well, Dennis, uh, I cannot thank you enough for taking us back through the different shows you've done and taking us behind the scenes, and giving us that little the look that we never see. We, you know, as the the, the normal watchers of TV and movies, uh, we don't get to see these things, and it's fascinating to hear it. And I thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. <laughs>
0: Now you said you had two questions, but you only asked one. Did I take too long answering the one question?
1: No, that that was it. The one was what's your favorite TV shows, and the other oh, one okay. was what's your favorite movies.
0: So it was one question, part A and B. Now, right, an A and, okay. and B. <laughs> Sorry to take up your time with this, uh, but I'm I'm very very maybe you noticed literal. Uh, uh, it was great. Thank you for your fulsome uh, uh, end there. I, I didn't mean to uh, uh, squash it with my with my uh, clarification. My my. Request for clarification. Uh, uh, It's been terrific. Uh, It's not as awful as I thought it would be, although it it (laughs) it was kind of awful doing this. But uh, you were great, and you tried as hard as you could to uh, make me feel comfortable, and you came very, very close to succeeding. (laughs) I'm glad I did it, uh, uh, in a way, in a way. (laughs) Uh, Really, you made it as good as possible. I don't think I will ever be in a circumstance where I will be treated better and uh, listened to as well and had better questions and, and had a better person interviewing me than, than you, uh, you were, you were tops in, in that way. And, and I have to ask you take my word for it. If you weren't, I would actually, I might or might not tell you, but I probably would tell you. And I, and I would give you hints on how to be better. I would, mm-hmm. I'm that kind of an asshole. <laughs> so, uh, so I, uh, so sincerely I had, I, even now, uh, as I'm saying all this, I have no criticism. I have no Chris. The only problem I had with you is when you said you have two questions and then you seem to only ask, ask one yeah. <laughs> that drove me a little nuts, not a little nuts, but you know, I said, well, where's the other question? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, uh, so anyway, that, that's the only thing that ever, that, that was anything but superb. Well, thank you very much, Brian. And, uh, you on screen and beyond
1: and i really want to thank dennis klein for joining us here at on screen and beyond giving us a lot of information about uh, all the great shows that he wrote and it was a lot of fun having him on the show and i hope you liked it and uh, let me know what you think about it uh, at feedback at onscreen dot beyondcom love to hear from you and uh, also if you are uh, out there and you know you uh, just want to chat or if you want to turn around and uh, leave a review you might want to do that at uh, iTunes and leave a review good bad whatever you know do what we can and uh, we appreciate everyone that we do get and uh let's see what else um we got uh the holiday's coming up, and uh, I'm not sure if we're going to take a break during the holidays or not. We'll see what happens there. But uh, next week, we have a holiday show coming your way with uh, somebody who uh, directed a very popular Christmas show. Uh, not show, but a movie. And uh, anyways, get ready for that. Next week, we have another show coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond. So for now... It's uh, a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrack. Take care.